0: And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Uh, it's John J. Wiley. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is honored and thrilled to be part of the Federation for American Immigration Reform's Hold the Feet to the Fire Radio Row event, where 71 of the nation's top talk shows are doing their shows, and we're one of them. And we are doing this at the fabulous park phoenix hotel just blocks from the capitol building as a matter of fact that was the capitol building earlier with at least 50 of america's top sheriffs and law enforcement officers some real heroes and dedicated public servants that i met today as a matter of fact let's get to our first guest on the law enforcement today radio show the law enforcement today radio show is brought to you in part by the help for our heroes program at transformations treatment center Call 888-991-9725 online at helpforourheroes.com. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those that suffer from substance abuse problems, The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Their program features first responders and veterans helping first responders and veterans. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. Broadcasting from uh, the fabulous Park Phoenix Hotel in Washington, D.C., uh, this is Law Enforcement Day Show. For the Federation for American Immigration Reforms Hold Their Feet to the Fire Radio Row Event. I'm here with 70 other top talk show host across the United States. And a pleasure to be joined by Sheriff Chuck Jenkins from Frederick County, Maryland Sheriff's Department. Sheriff Jenkins, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. And before we were on the air, it's actually kind of like old home week because I'm retired from Baltimore City, which is probably about 30, 40, 30, 45 minutes away yeah, to on fast hour, you drive mm-hmm. uh, from you. And uh, a guy I worked with, one of his sons is in your agency. So, it's kind of like old home week here hanging out with you.
1: The Kevin Bacon, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The seven degrees of separation.
1: Yeah. So, how long have you been doing law enforcement? I've been in law enforcement for 30 years. I'm in my fourth term as sheriff, and uh, things are going well.
0: You've been at this law enforcement gig for a long time. Where did you work before?
1: Actually, believe it or not, I was in the communications satellite industry. Oh, really? Yes. So, you didn't come from a law enforcement background I for did not, you in for no. sure. It, it it became a calling at at uh, early 30s in my life and I hated my job and I said I'm going to step into something I really wanted to do. I went to work for Sheriff Bob Snyder in 1990 early 1990 and never looked well, back. You're back. One of the funny things is so many of the sheriffs I've met, in different
0: states, they're they're retired state troopers, they're retired other police. Uh, it, it doesn't matter, and then they decide to run for office. So it's kind of refreshing to hear someone came from from within a, a service industry into
1: law enforcement and then ran. And has a pretty, I think I've had a pretty good career. I've, I was a criminal investigator most of my career, loved every day of it, uh, put bad guys in jail. When the opportunity uh, came in 2006, I ran for sheriff and I won and. Uh, like I say, it's been, a, I've had a blessed career. Well, good. And it's good to have you in. And
0: thank you for your service. I know what that entails. We're here at the Federation of American Immigration Reform, Hold the Feet, The Fire. So one of the things we're going talk about right away is about the immigration situation. And when we say immigration, we're talking about illegal immigration. And uh, I know people love to use different terminology, undocumented, whatever. I I avoid politics and partisan politics talk at all costs for obvious reasons. And coming from law enforcement, most people I know in law enforcement are that way. Uh, Being elected sheriff, it's a little bit different because you've got to run for office. It's very Um, different because
1: obviously your thoughts, your ideology, your beliefs tend to steer your decisions. And your decisions determine whether or not you get elected or reelected or what you stand for. How is this situation affecting you in... Frederick County, Maryland, and well, we're talking
0: about the, primarily the crisis involving immigration immigration from the southern border.
1: Well, the, the crisis involving uh, uh, illegal immigration has touched every county, every community in the country, and, and Frederick is not immune to it, okay? So we've uh, felt the impact of that for years. Uh, as a criminal investigator uh, back in the early 2000s, I really started to see crimes being committed by people in this country illegally, and nothing could be done about it. So one of the things that I ran on when I ran for sheriff in 2006 was I thought, what can I do? What tool is out there that would allow me to keep my county a little bit safer and remove criminal aliens from Frederick County? So I researched it and looked into the 287G program, which uh, that was part of my platform for office in 2006. Uh, When I was elected, I quickly moved toward that program. And uh, 2008, we went online with ICE as a partner in the 287 program. And we've never looked back. It's been very effective, very efficient. And we have removed more than 1,500, I would say about 1,530 criminals from our county that have been deported. In that number in, uh, is about 110 criminal gang members, mostly MS-13. So if you look back over that course of time, that's 1,530 criminals that aren't committing crimes in Frederick That's county a sizable amount. That's that's a lot, especially when you're talking about a county who doesn't have a high crime rate, right? I mean, and basically, low, low it's per a per capita crime rate.
0: It's a, 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 while a bit of a distance, it is a veteran community for Baltimore and for it DC. Is,
1: it is, but let me tell you this: Central Maryland is a de facto sanctuary state because uh, there's counties like now Montgomery County is de- declared sanctuary county. You've got Prince George's, you've got Baltimore County. Uh, you know, law enforcement across the state tends to not look at this problem. So, Central Maryland has become a magnet, not only for uh, illegal immigrants, but illegal immigrant crime and gang crime.
0: And when you say illegal immigrant crime, <clears throat> well, I mean, are illegal... we talking about random acts of violence or criminal gangs or...
1: We're all the above. All of the above. Uh, criminal, uh, you know, random criminal acts within their communities, within the immigrant communities. We're looking at gang crime. We are looking at uh, illegal aliens who move here to get involved into drug trafficking, human trafficking. And name any type of crime, we've experienced that with people who are in the country illegally. And also,
0: we can't help but talk about the influence of the cartels
1: because they're intimately involved with the trafficking of people coming across the border. Correct. Some of our major drug investigations in recent years, we have tracked the flow of that product back to the southern borders and linked it to cartels, without a doubt. And years ago, back when I was policing in Baltimore, you would have what we
0: called stash houses. And I know you're talking about, but that's where they, the drug gang would keep their drugs and they wouldn't distribute from there. They'd move it to another location, distribute street level wise. And then the dealers started getting a bit smarter. They started going out in the counties and getting further and further away from Baltimore City, driving rental cars, bringing it in daily or weekly. Right. So right now in your community, you could, th- in theory, have a group of people with a big series of stash houses and they protect them with lots of
1: weapons yeah we could but but right now uh, we are doing pretty well as far as our narcotics investigation taking down dealers we've been very successful Uh, we partner with uh, homeland security investigations which brings a lot of federal resources into our county that we work with so we do have dealers and we've had over the past four or five years several fairly large dealers but i don't think there are really a lot of stash houses gotcha our biggest problem is this. Young people from Frederick County getting in their cars, driving to Baltimore, buying the product on the street, and bringing it back for themselves and their small groups of friends.
0: And with that comes a lot of the overdose deaths. That's
1: exactly right. And
0: back... I hate I want to say this In a scolding manner But back in the day When it was an inner city problem People didn't seem to care Didn't care And I'm not referring to you No 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 Because the law enforcement Had to deal with it all the time Right right But we're talking about The newspapers We're talking about television We're talking about Community groups But when they start Having their kids In the suburbs All of a sudden We got to do something about
1: this It's now in middle And upper middle class families People are paying attention to it You're right Now it's a bigger issue and the numbers are higher. We've never seen the number of overdoses. I don't think the city has either, uh, as we have over the past six or seven years. And this is not just something that's isolated to Maryland. No, your part it's, of Maryland. A, it's, it's nationwide. It's all over. I, right. I
0: talked with a woman earlier today whose 28-year-old son was a casual to somewhat heavy drug user. And he did some cocaine laser with fentanyl, didn't know it, and it killed him. Yeah. And – I said, unfortunately, it, I'm, I'm sorry you went through this. There's nothing you can say to make it better. No. no. But this has been
1: going on for far too long. And, and our law enforcement people know this. Yeah, but typically, typically, people aren't concerned it come, until it comes into their front door. Then they become concerned about it. You know, we've done everything we could over the past four five, six years, seven years, as far as public awareness. I, I hold and host meetings all over Frederick County to make people aware of the problem. You know, we've gone as far as to take our work release center and turn it into a detox facility, which is in the process now. We've done everything. That's phenomenal, by the way. You're doing that. Yeah. So we had an underutilized work release facility that I went uh, about a year and a half ago, election year, actually. Not because it was election year, because the timing was right. People that used to go to jail for nonviolent crimes don't go to jail. Right. So there's no need for work release. So I had an underutilized facility that I proposed turned into a detox. Uh, Where construction construction's underway now. Uh, in the next probably, I'm guessing nine to twelve months, we'll have a an 18 bed facility on the second floor at Work Release.
0: And this is your local law enforcement agencies doing right, this, right? Correct. Yeah. But you listen to the news media, you listen to uh, social media, and we're they'll say we anything. don't care. Yeah. Right, right. But we're, we're just housing drug addicts in, in, in jails. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and one thing I always say it. Coming from a law enforcement background, and I know you'll relate to this, we understand there's a lot of things people would never do if it wasn't for the fact that they were under the influence of -of alcohol and or drugs or feeding an addiction, that they wouldn't commit robberies. However, they're responsible for the harm they did people. They're responsible for the criminal actions they did. And the old analogy I use is if I punch someone in the nose because I'm drunk and break their nose, it doesn't hurt more or less than if I did it when I was sober. It's the damage I did to the person. So law enforcement has been acutely aware of the drug problem, has been dealing with it front lines for decades. This is Law Enforcement Today Show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back.
1: Epidemic.
0: America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost. And heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Back to the Law Enforcement Today Show. I'm John J. Welly, joined by Sheriff Chuck Jenkins, Frederick County Sheriff's Department. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for being part of the Federation for American Immigration Reforms, Hold Their Feet Their Fire event in D.C. Uh, you've been doing this about 30 years now, law enforcement. Yes. And we we're just talking before break that, that somewhere along the line, things began to change about the, you said earlier, and break in the 1990s. You never saw heroin in your county. Correct. Never. Rarely did you see heroin. We never saw, it, <laughs> but in, in certain areas and pockets of, of of the Baltimore City where I worked, in other parts it was unheard of. Now it's absolutely everywhere. Probably the opiate everywhere. problems absolutely. everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know where it started. I don't. People love to think that it is uh, a choice and recreational to begin with and I think for
1: many people it started with doctors and they didn't even realize it I think some I think some I think there is a lot of peer pressure and I do believe the first time is a choice after that's not after a choice right, yeah after that's not I do believe there there was a large percentage in early years when I say early years we started to see this problem become very prevalent in 2012. That's where we saw the transition, where we never saw heroin, to now we're starting to see it, we're starting to seize it, get quantities on traffic stops. So the the overdoses really started in 2012. They've doubled, tripled every year until right now. We're up to about uh, roughly 400 overdoses per year. We have roughly one overdose every day, one fatal per week. That's where we're at. And that was unheard of. That was unheard of. Never, ever did we have that.
0: It's kind of mind-boggling because along with that goes – an exponential amount of crime, crime. Uh, property crime. Yes. we about burglaries, thefts, breaking into autos, yep. some violent crime. Most drug addicts are not violent criminals. Correct. Not that I've dealt. They just with. want to yeah. feed the fix. Exactly. So they want to get the money as quickly as they can with the least amount of potential risk to them or anybody else. We
1: have figured over the past four and five years that probably anywhere from eighty-seven to ninety percent of the other crime is associated to the drug problem, to the drug trade, either dealers, users, whatever. Because people are going to get their money.
0: And basically, that means everybody in your community has been affected one way or another. That's correct. If they've not been a victim of
1: crime or they don't have someone in their family who's got an opiate problem, uh, they know someone who has. It's rare. In Frederick County, it's rare. We're a small county. So, I can't even think of a family that hasn't been impacted directly by an overdose. What about violent crime associated with that?
0: Is that? that We don't see a, see, see a lot
1: of violent crime. We don't have that random violent street crime. Uh, not much of that at all. We're in pretty good shape. We've had five consecutive years going on our sixth year where serious crime has decreased in fairly significant percentages. Now, I'll go back to what I said a while ago. That's in part due to our participation with ICE in removing criminals. I think it's in large part due to that. My congratulations to you because that doesn't seem to be the norm
0: across the board. And in reality... Violent crime has been down dramatically since the 70s, 80s, and 90s, especially for our law enforcement officers. The the, the really bad days, the really bad years were years ago. But we seem to be more aware, I don't know if it's social media or the news media or whatever, but every time there's any kind of act of violence,
1: it's nonstop for 24 hours. Let me tell you what my big concern is right now. Neighboring Montgomery County that borders Frederick County between Frederick and D.C. has just declared themselves to be a sanctuary county. They have had a series of child rapes and sexual assaults since July 25th. I think the number's up to nine, okay? They've had violent brutal killings by MS-13. They've had violent street crimes by, by people in the country illegally. They refused to work with ICE to get the criminal element out. I'm concerned now about what that's going to do to impact Frederick County. The bleed-over effect. uh, The bleed-over,
0: sure. And be honest with you, Montgomery County, I know the area.
1: Yeah. It was, it's a very wealthy suburb of Washington, D.C. Used to be a very affluent, wealthy county. I would argue that now. And they didn't have that kind of crime we're talking about.
0: no. And if you did, it was treated as an absolute... Uh, anomaly that was not going to be tolerated Right Now it seems as if And I don't quite get it The law
1: enforcement side doesn't get it well, the law Why would not use every weapon available To fight this kind of crime Law enforcement is frustrated It's the politicians who have made these decisions The politicians handcuff law enforcement In Montgomery County And pretty but much they everywhere can't, They can't handcuff me and Frederick
0: <laughs> Pretty much Well that's the, the, that's that's the, that's thing. the good I, thing about being a sheriff Right
1: You were elected by the people You serve the people So right. you can do what you want At the risk of getting reelected or not, but I do what I think is right. I use every tool possible to look out for the safety of my county. Uh, Listen, I was born and raised there. It's my home, my family, my friends. Uh, I'm not going to allow that to become... A Sanctuary county where crime runs rampant. I'm just it should kidding. not be the norm, and okay. it shouldn't be the norm anywhere for people who are listening, say in
0: Chicago or Kansas City or uh, Los Angeles. They go, Okay, that's great. Right. I've know, never been to Maryland.
1: What's it got to do with me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that incident at the fair you brought up before they went on. The yeah, air. for people who don't so know, that, we that had this older guy got that knocked does, out and killed. That doesn't happen in Frederick. No, these were thugs. The, this, in my opinion, it doesn't meet the elements of of a hate crime by statute but to me what they did to that man after they sucker punched him put him on the ground and basically killed him right on the spot they 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 taunted and spit on him with with crowds of people watching
0: and i believe they videoed it and put it online it's all over the place and that's the kind of thing that was unheard of back in the day and you know, maybe I'm sounding like a Neanderthal, knuckle-dragging <laughs> dinosaur, because we didn't do that sort of stuff. No, no young And kids if did. you had to have a fight when you were a kid, you had to fight when it was over, it was did, over did with. You and you walked away. And chances are, you would want be good friends three days later. Right. It's not you, the way it, it is. And if I disrespected your sister,
1: trust me, the whole neighborhood would come after me. It yeah. wasn't... Something has changed Society has changed. Our, our views on, on what's right and wrong and morality have changed. But society... I think we're headed. To, if we don't change things pretty soon, and a large part of this is what's going on at the borders, the failure of Congress to allow law enforcement to do their jobs, uh, we are headed toward chaos and disorder. And I quite I, frankly don't want to see that. I don't either. Do any of us? No. No. And I, I, I'm very, I'm very
0: proud. I'm proud of my service in the police department, and everybody I know has been in law enforcement it's the same way. We all paid a heavy price, physically mentally emotionally our families did too my daughters have, still deal with some of the effects yeah. my second wife we we'll go to the restaurant she's like all right she knows what seat i need and, and right. she knows if it gets too noisy too loud too echoey i gotta get out of there so she knows and it's a, a shame
1: when i go to a high school basketball game that i don't go to enjoy the game i look to see where i need to sit tactically yeah to respond to a situation if it occurs what a hell of a world we're living
0: in I hate to break it to you, Sheriff. I'm the guy that goes on the airplane, and I visually frisk every guy that walks down the aisle. Like, oh, if he breaks bad, I got to throw punch that guy. Yeah, I'm not going to mess with that one. And before I flew up here from Florida, my wife said about some guy who went... Off the deep end, and they use the term "emotionally disturbed," which can cover everything. And five or six men uh, subdued the guy, and they landed a the plane and took him off. And I'm saying, "Yep, I'd be the first one there." And uh, that part of me doesn't go away. I don't, I, I don't enforce the law lose. anymore, but I'm going to back people up. Yeah, you, you never lose that instinct. I just wish we can get some of our local media, our news media, and. Hopefully, then our politicians will realize this is what our communities go through, and they're not doing their job by not protecting them.
1: I can tell you this, and I, I mean this when I say this sincerely. There's nobody, no elected official closer to people than a sheriff. I live that every day. And these folks up on Capitol Hill and our state legislators, they don't get it. The public is angry. They're frustrated. They're disappointed. All they want to do is raise their families, work hard, strive to get ahead, you know, live comfortably and be left the hell alone, and be safe. Above all, be protected and safe. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, That's and safe. be safe. Sheriff Chuck Jenkins, very thanks very much for your
0: service, and thanks for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Thank you. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.